Hey, what's up, podcast peeps? Randy Gage here, and I have something extra special for you this week. I did a podcast with Tim Martin uh, on his podcast, which is called Success is Voluntary. And it's just, it's a cool podcast. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, make sure that you do. Uh, But uh, it was an interview I did with him, and I thought it was just packed with so much content about prosperity and success in general. I asked him if I could share it with you, and he said yes. So uh, for your dining and dancing pleasure. I want to be remembered as somebody who caused people to do the thinking. Success is Voluntary, Episode 63. Welcome to Success is Voluntary, a podcast devoted to helping you become the salesperson you were always meant to be, where it's all about helping you learn the techniques and tools that will enable you to win in the increasingly competitive world of voluntary benefits. Welcome your host, a guy who has hired and trained over 2,000 voluntary benefit salespeople in his career, Tim Martin. Success is Voluntary, selling voluntary benefits. Yes, my name is Tim Martin, and I am so blessed. This has been an incredible run of phenomenal guests. Are you kidding me? Andrea Waltz, Bob Berg, Jeb Blunt, Larry Wingett, uh, John Rulin, Patrick Galvin. I mean, come on. These are just a few of the recent guests. And now, Randy Gage. I was first introduced to Randy through his book, Why You Are Dumb, Sick, and Broke, and How to Get Smart, Healthy, and Rich. I ran across it over 10 years ago at an airport bookstore and bought it immediately. Uh, um, For a friend, of course, just for a friend. That's it. A friend. (laughs) The truth is, whereas I didn't consider myself to be dumb, sick, or broke necessarily, I certainly needed help in all three areas. Randy's story is incredibly uplifting. He went from being a teenage drug addict and alcoholic with an armed robbery conviction to the pinnacle of success. Randy is the author of 11 books translated into 25 languages, including the New York Times bestsellers, Risky is the New Safe, and Mad Genius. He has spoken to more than 2 million people across more than 50 countries and is a member of the Speaker's Hall of Fame. I'm telling you, how blessed am I? He travels internationally to speak and train on why mindset is more important than skill or experience to have unlimited success. Randy and I talked about his study surrounding prosperity and why we have mind viruses and how the subconscious will self-sabotage our success. This is a topic I am also fascinated about because I've watched many salespeople over the years struggle with having success. In fact, I believe we lose as many salespeople to early success as we do to early failure. Hey, maybe you don't think you have challenges with success, but I would challenge you to listen to Randy today and then set aside some time for self-reflection. But instead of listening to my observations, let's talk to Randy. But before we do that, would you please pause this podcast, open your mind, and go get something to take notes with, even if it's a blue crayon on a brown paper bag. Your health and financial future may just depend on it. 
Hey, welcome to the show, Randy. Hey, great to be on with you. Man, I was so excited that uh, you agreed to come on. You're somebody I've followed for a long time, and, uh, well, I mean, I guess that means we're both getting older, right? You started doing this in 1990, basically. <laughs> is that right? My next birthday is the big 6-0. Wow, wow. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly when I found you, but it was in the 90s. I know that, and... So that's getting to be a little while ago. So uh, for the people that don't that don't know you, um, and I gave a little bit of your background in the open, but uh, for the people that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you're at now. If I had to, if I had a business card, which I don't, I would probably just print philosopher on it because. I, I honestly believe that's what I do. Obviously, I write books. I have a podcast. I have a blog. Uh, do speeches, coaching. But really, it's people are paying me to hear what I think about things. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to believe it's Seneca or Ayn Rand or Socrates or some great philosopher were alive today, they, that's probably what they would do is they'd write books and have a YouTube channel and a blog <laughs> and <laughs> they would share their thoughts on, and in my case, I'm sharing my thoughts on prosperity and success. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get into where I'll define you, but I love your prosperity um, TV channel on YouTube. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, towards the end of places where they can find you, but yeah, I'm a subscriber there, and have, I've enjoyed it for a while now. Um, so, your um, your story is fascinating to me, and uh, you know, I, I love hearing people's stories. Uh, I love reading uh, biographies. Not a single time have I talked to a successful person or read a biography where it started out. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, and things only got better from there. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about yeah, Isn't that fascinating? It is. Nobody ever says, you know, I was a trust fund baby, and, you know, no, because the challenges, the adversity, the obstacles, that's where we develop our character, learn new skills, causes us to rethink, to modify, change our direction change our actions. Uh, and that's where the breakthroughs live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us a little I, bit about this, uh, this kid growing up in Miami. Well, I actually grew up in Madison. Oh, Wisconsin. sorry. You're, yeah, I'm sorry. In Miami for ages. Now I moved here when I was 15 actually, but, uh, yeah, I was, uh, made a lot of, pretty poor choices as a teenager. I was a teenage alcoholic, teenage drug addict, uh, was in jail for armed robbery when I was, uh, 15. Um, made a lot of poor choices and <laughs> fortunately, uh, learned from my mistakes and, uh, kind of result. And, you know, it's not like I, uh, I was very fortunate at 15. I got, a, a, you know, probation. They gave me another chance. I got a, I enrolled in an alternative high school and then, uh, you know, got a job. I actually had, was living outside of my mother's house already at 15. And um, then I just, um, I'd like to say, you know, I got that new thing and snapped my fingers and then I became rich and successful and healthy and happy and but it wasn't obviously that easy, but I did 
turn things around and start in the other direction. And that's what led me. I went down to Miami. I didn't have a, I didn't know a single person who lived here. I, I had no apartment, no job, anything. I had a, uh, I actually was 16, I guess, when I came here. Yeah, I was actually 16. So, and because I had my car then, so I had old beat up Plymouth and about 350 bucks and, I came to Miami to create my destiny. <laughs> mm. I just wanted to live somewhere warm in the winter time after <laughs> growing up in Wisconsin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went through some rough patches and like I say, adversity, obstacles, whatever. But that was my dream to live in a place with palm trees and sunshine and ocean. And I've loved it ever since. You bet. Um, so, you you started out in nineteen right around nineteen ninety, correct? Uh, in starting to write and to speak. Uh, I know you were in uh, a uh, direct sales organization, Amway, I believe, early on, and so you started working with them, doing some speaking and, and writing for for that that audience, not necessarily just for Amway. But how successful had you been in that business before you started writing about it? Uh, I had. Uh been in a few, a number of companies. I had found a home in one I thought was my final rodeo. Uh, and, you know, was probably making $10,000. No, not even, probably $7,000, $8,000 a month, which back then was yeah. a lot of money. And to me was a fortune because I come from a very poor family. And, uh, and unfortunately the company was not a ethical thing. Mm. The, uh, founder, they had this whole story about the founder and his credentials and everything. And then his sisters started a competing company and they started suing each other. And mm. I got a copy of the core documents and basically everything was just, a it was just made up everything that they were claiming about this founder and his credentials and the product development and everything. So I just sent a registered letter. Remember those, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, overnight registered letter and resigned. And I thought, well, you know, I, I, I used to train my own team so I could train teams in other companies and I'll just be a professional speaker. And I didn't know any better. I didn't know how hard it would be. I just thought I'll just do public seminars. Back mm. then we would rent mailing lists. So I would say, okay, I'm coming to Dallas. And I'd run a mailing list of all the people who were in direct selling in Dallas and do a seminar. And uh, my first year in business, I think as a professional speaker, I did like 300,000 uh, in revenue. Holy cow. Which sounds sexy, but I probably lived on $7,000. <laughs> I poured everything back in the business, just renting more mailing lists, printing more stuff, developing products, you know. Sure. I did about 600000 the second year, and I broke a million the third year. And that's when I, you know, probably started paying myself a salary of, you know, $60,000 mm. or $80,000 and could survive without, you know, scrimping and, uh, you know, on everything. Uh, and then I got back into business and, and, you know, ran it as a parallel track. I've been very successful in direct selling. I've made many millions of dollars as a, uh, team member and bonus checks. 
And I've, I ran that kind of parallel business, consulting and speaking and coaching. And then I just, I evolved as a person and I thought I just, if I have to do another workshop on how to get a prospect's phone number, you know, I'd rather stick a fork in my eye. <laughs> At that point I had developed where I was trying to like sneak in the principles of prosperity and success because I felt the mindset stuff and the, 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 the self-discipline and those things were much more important than the tactics of getting a phone number or how to schedule an appointment. And I felt there's other people who are really good at that. Let them do that. I want to teach prosperity. And so I reinvented myself and started working in that space. And I've been doing that for probably more than 25 years now. And uh, that's my assignment. That's, that's what I was put on this particular planet to do, I believe. Yeah, I, I think that is uh, awesome. I, I want to ask you a question. Obviously, you believe you can teach prosperity. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. But um, let me tell you a real quick story and, and tell me, first of all, what's your reaction to it? And then how would you deal with this person? I, I hired a, a gentleman that I knew uh, from, from church and brought him into the insurance industry and he had got off to a very, very quick start, was making pretty good money. And then I made him a manager and uh, he just crushed it. I mean, he was an even better manager than he was a salesperson, but it was, um, he had a problem with making too much money. He, he, he felt like, it was the Christian guy felt like it was, you know, not biblical to make a lot of money that he was being, you know, and it just mm-hmm. drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, do you run into that sometimes with uh, especially with people? And 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 again, I, I have a very strong faith system. I'm not uh, I'm not um, knocking the faith system. But well, why do people act like that? And how do you get them through that? I only have that come up uh, maybe thousand times a day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. That's what I'm dealing with all the time. Um, here's my premise. I believe you're, we all have core foundational beliefs about all the important things in life. Mm-hmm. And those core foundational beliefs are in our subconscious mind. Maybe um, five, six books ago, I wrote a book that very... Uh, in-your-face title that puts off people, but it's where I was at at that point. And the title was Why You're Dumb, Sick, and Broke and How to Get Smart, Healthy, and Rich. Mm -hmm. And the book is all about how you get brainwashed, how you get programmed with mind viruses. And the most prevalent ones in the world are money is bad, Rich people are evil. It's spiritual or noble to be poor. To become wealthy, you have to become a bad mommy or a bad daddy. To become wealthy, you have to sell your soul. To be a successful company, you have to rape and pillage and plunder the environment and exploit the little people. 
and uh, be shady practices and sleazy marketing and tactics. And those are the most prevalent mind viruses in the world. And mm. they're, they're perpetuated in many parts by organized religion, many parts by government. And then the third guilty party would be the data sphere. Just all your friends and neighbors and email and social media and TV and radio and the internet and all of that, what I would call the data sphere. Mm. Um, so all those things are programming us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Whether you're aware of them or not, it's happening. And most people are not aware of it. And so if, so my premise is, you know, what's the important things we have beliefs about? God, religion, money, sex, health, relationships, and marriage. So if you say those are the really important beliefs we're going to have, that we're going to go out and look at the world in. Mm -hmm. So for, for instance, you, your people listening right now who are insurance salesmen, who are direct selling distributors, who are whatever their occupation is, they have these core foundational beliefs about all of those important things. And what they don't, what most people don't realize is that they developed those beliefs before they were 10. Hmm. They probably got them by the time they were six, seven, or eight. Uh, daddy cheated on mommy, abused mommy. They fought all the time. They got a core foundational belief about marriages and relationships. Uh, mom said, you know, well, money doesn't grow on trees. We can't afford that. We may not be rich, but at least we're honest. Okay, they got a core foundational belief about money, that rich people are evil and poor people are noble. And so now you're 30 years old, you're selling insurance, and you're trying to increase your sales, meet your, beat your quota for this quarter and you know develop this new client base and whatever. That's what you're doing on the conscious level, right? Your mm -hmm. conscious mind is saying, I want to increase my sales, develop more customers, become successful, buy a new car, live in a nicer house, make more money. But if you have that programming at a subconscious level, you'll self-sabotage yourself. And I know because I did it for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, for 30 years, I had this, a conscious program that I wanted to be wealthy because I had always been poor and I hated being poor. So on my conscious level, I was taking actions I thought that would make me rich, but I had this subconscious programming that rich people were evil. And if I became rich, I would be a bad person and my family wouldn't love me and my friends wouldn't like me and I wouldn't be a a good member of the human race. So I kept self-sabotaging myself. And so what people, and that's why I say, I, you know, I go through this all day, every day. This is totally what my work is about. Because I with the example you're given, I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. They're sabotaging their success and they have no idea they're sabotaging their success. And they have no idea why, because they've never actually looked at What's their core foundational beliefs? And do those beliefs serve them or, and empower them? Or do they limit them? 
Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's about four or 5 billion people on the planet that are infected with very negative limiting beliefs and they don't even know it. I think it was Brian Tracy. This, this was really early in uh, my uh, sales career. I, I heard him say that if you're in a fair compensation plan and you know, you got to make sure you're in a fair compensation plan, but you'll make within 10% of what you really truly believe you're worth. He, you know, he said that if you're behind, you'll work harder. And if you get ahead, you'll slow down. It, it, that's kind of what you're talking about here too, right? Yeah, I haven't heard that, but I do believe that's true. I, I think you, that's where the self-sabotage comes mm-hmm. in. You, for some people, it's when they start to make more money than their parents did. So you grew up, your father was a coal miner in uh, West Virginia, and he was the salt of the earth, and he worked 18 hours a day and came home with black lung and, you know, <laughs> worked his face off to get you enough money to send you to college so you could have a better life. And now you get out of college and some company gives you a office with air conditioning and a company car and a insurance plan and um, cafeteria and you and you feel guilty. You feel like, and you don't even, and again, it's not conscious. It's on a subconscious level. You're, mm-hmm. you're just, you'll sabotage that because you feel on a subconscious level that you're dishonoring your hardworking father because things are too easy for you. Mm. So you get up for that promotion and you sabotage the promotion and you have no idea you did it. Well, how do we break through that? I mean, that's your, your life's work, it seems like, but um, you know, so solve it for us in, uh, in the next 30 seconds. Now I know you can't do that, but, but what are some <laughs> of the things that, that uh, you, you teach as the ways to overcome that? Yeah, well, I will tell you, I, I put out a podcast today and uh, on this idea of this one for you guys listening who want to go back and look it up. It's, uh, what did we title it? I think we called it uh, uh, How to End a Negative Cycle and Reboot Your Life. Mm. And I mean, no, it's not a 30-second thing, but I, I think it's a lot simpler than people make it out to be because I could encapsulate it by saying, okay, step number one is to, if, if you just take two hours and go walk along the river and say, okay, man, this gauge guy, he's, he rocked my world. What? I, let me really think about that. What is my core foundational belief about God and religion? You know, was I programmed to believe that I was born a sorry sinner? Was I programmed to believe that um, I'm reincarnated and it will take 189 lifetimes until (laughs) I reach enlightenment and I'm only on lifetime number 171? (laughs) What's the odds I'm going to let myself be happy this time? If I've been programmed to believe that my real reward is going to come in the afterlife and I'm supposed to be a sorry sinner and pay penance in this life, what's the probability I'm going to allow myself to be healthy, happy, and prosperous, right? So think about that. Then, okay, what's my view on sex? Do I think it's 
evil and dirty and needs to be done in the dark? Do I think it's natural and beautiful and healthy? What's my core foundational beliefs on money and success, you know, on health, on marriage, on relationship? What, what was the marriage model that my parents taught me? Have I ever done any thinking about that or did I just adopt that as a core foundational belief? So if they would just step one, do that, take that two hour walk along the river and really reflect on those things, it would blow their mind. And they would say, wow, I've identified three or five or six really insidious, negative, limiting beliefs that do not serve me. And they've been causing me pain and hurt and harm and misery. So that's step one. Now, step two is I'm going to blow up those beliefs Mm -hmm. because now that I'm aware of them, they have no power over me. Okay. I learned that. Okay. This is how my father treated my mother. And I adopted that as a model. And now I've repeated that with my own wife. And you know what? That was a bad premise. That was a broken model. That's not really the model of what a healthy, strong marriage would look like. So I'm going to just like if you got a jacket and it doesn't fit you, you could just take it off, drop it on the floor and replace it with a jacket that fits you better. Same thing with beliefs. So you say, you know what? This belief doesn't serve me. I'm going to take it off. I'm going to drop it on the floor and I'm going to replace it with a belief that serves me, a belief that empowers me. Well, so that's really step two. Now we, right? So now we just say, okay, now I've got a belief that empowers me. Now I'm going to make sure that I nurture my mind, body, and soul with positive programming. I'm going to listen to Tim Martin's podcast. I'm going to listen to Randy Gage's podcast. I'm going to read positive books. I'm going to make sure because I realize that I'm being programmed with all these negative mind viruses every time I turn on the TV, every time I turn on the radio, every time I go on uh, Facebook, every time I'm on Twitter, every time I'm uh, opening an email, I'm getting all this negative limiting beliefs. I need to counter program them with positive beliefs. So now you're, you're fighting, you're in the game, you got a shot because you're, you're counter programming against those. And what happens is you do make different choices in your life, right? Because you now are getting your subconscious mind in sync with your conscious mind. Your listeners, they know this already, most of them, right? Because they've been listening to Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and people, and they realize that the the subconscious mind is the 90% of the iceberg that's under the water and the conscious mind is the little bit at the top. But maybe they just never got this... uh, epiphany that we're talking about right now about, oh, let me just question those specific core beliefs that I have that are down there in that iceberg under the water. Because once you blow up and eviscerate those beliefs and you replace them with ones that empower you, 
and your whole world changes. I I think that's probably one. It just dawned on me as you're talking about that. I think that's um, why some people get burned out or don't want to listen to motivational things, things that help them uh, with you know, quote unquote, reprogramming some of those things in their in their life. Because they never get rid of the old ones. If you got no room to make room for the new ones, right? You can just keep dripping on it. And I'm sure there's over time there will be some change. But uh, you got to you got to clear out that crap uh, before you can before you can bring in the new a little bit. Is would you agree with that? If an elephant is fighting with a cat, that elephant is going to win. Yep. Okay. The cat keeps scampering around, running away, but ultimately, at some point, if they're fighting, that elephant is just going to step on that cat and turn it into a pancake. And that's what's going to happen with your subconscious mind and your conscious mind. The subconscious mind is the elephant, and the elephant is always going to win that fight. So if you don't change the the core foundational beliefs in that subconscious mind, it doesn't matter what you're doing on the conscious thing. It's always going to lose that fight. Makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, you know, ostensibly I brought you on to talk about your book, Mad Genius. It's been out a little while. It's not brand new or anything like that. So uh, I don't think you're on here just for the publicity. I I appreciate you coming on uh, to help me. And and I I really do appreciate you spending some time with, with my little tribe here. But I do want to talk about the book, Mad Genius, and uh, the fact that you wrote it as a manifesto. And uh, I love that. It's different than anything you've ever written. What brought you to, to write this? Well, the book before that was called Risky is the New Safe. Sure. And that was a, a new direction for me as well. It was kind of looking at how do you look around the corner and predict the future and get in front of those trends? as an entrepreneur, because that's in my essence. That's what I am. I'm an entrepreneur. And I think all salespeople are entrepreneurs as well. So you have to be. So there's a mindset there. So, um, and in there, you know, I, um, I was, I actually, uh, I was, I was flying back from Thailand. I'm in the airport lounge and uh, there's a couple there. They got this adorable puppy. I love all animals. I love dogs. So I'm like, hey, can I play with your puppy? And the woman tells me, yeah, he's a clone. What? So <laughs> I, la- I laughed because I think that's a pretty funny joke. And she said, no, no, he's a clone. We were coming back from South Korea where we had him cloned. We're bringing him home. And sure enough, I mean, we landed in Miami and there's all these camera crews and reporters. And because this was the first cloned, uh, dog that had ever come to the United States. And that puppy was adorable. That puppy licked my face. Yep. And when that puppy licked my face, my whole head was ready to explode because it was the most adorable puppy that you fall in love with instantly. And it was a clone. Mm, it been mm. created in a Petri dish or a test tube. And I was like, whoa, the entire world is upside down now. Yeah. And so that led me to write that book. And then Mad Genius was actually going to be the sequel to Risky. 
And as I started to write it, I just realized, you know what? I, I'm not a futurist. I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. Um, I don't, you know, there are futurists who that's all they do for a living. Dan Burris is a futurist, right? He's a brilliant guy. Let him do the futurist stuff. I need to, I need to write something for entrepreneurs. I need to write about the practical application of the fact that we now have cloning. We now have biogenetic engineering. We now have 3D printing. We now have mobile apps. We now have social media. We, you know, the, everything's going to go to voice from mobile apps next, right? The, everything is changing. All the rules have changed. I need to write a book about that. Um, and so that's how Mad Genius came about was it was just that progression in my thinking about, hey, what's next and what do we need to do to make sure we're ready for what's next? As entrepreneurs, right? Where, where, yeah. are, the, where are the, the um, opportunities for us to, to take some of this technology that isn't in the future anymore? It's right here. It's right uh, if it's around the corner, it's, it's not, a, it's not very far at all. It seems like, um, so before we get into some of those futuristic things, I love the fact you talked about, uh, who are these mysterious people in charge and what is the secret system that runs the world? Cause, uh, when I was reading this, I was, I was like standing up shouting, amen, hallelujah, brother. This stuff drives me crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the, the, people just accept so many things that maybe they were, they, maybe there really was a valid reason for them 80 years ago, but nobody has ever done the critical thinking to say, well, is this really a valid premise? Mm-hmm. Where my first inclination is always I question the premise because as you know from reading Mad Genius, I'm always saying if you ask the wrong question, the answer is irrelevant. Right. Right. So um, you always have to question the parent. Like when I did, when I wrote that book, I, you know, did a lot of TV and radio and podcasts on the book tour. And I would say 90% of the questions I got were the wrong question. They would say, um, Randy, do you really believe people are going to be able to buy a, a house on the floor of the ocean in our lifetime? And that's the wrong question. As a much smarter question would be, hey, Randy, what's the price of oceanfront real estate? What's going to happen to it when there's ocean floor real estate? Mm. Or what's the price of lake floor real estate going to do to the price of lakefront real estate. Other example, they would say, do you really believe we're going to be able to vacation on the moon in our lifetime? And that's the wrong question. Better question be who owns the moon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, just think about <laughs> who owns the moon. Does um, uh, the United States own it? Because we went there first and we put a flag up there and we left a Jeep up there. Um, Does China own it? Because they went next and they probably knocked down our flag and put their flag. (laughs) You know, how are we going to divide up the moon without all of the wars and bloodshed and tribulations that we had on this planet? That would be a much better question, 
or a better question would be, hey, how does the loss of gravity affect libido? How does it affect muscle strength? How does it affect energy? How does it affect athletic performance? How does it affect uh, uh, appetite? How does it affect hair growth? How does it affect dental health? How, I mean, there's 5,000 better questions that would take us to a very interesting outcome than the, the obvious ones that I get asked all the time. So I'm always like, let's question the premise. You say, you know, do I really believe that human cloning is going to happen? I mean, are you serious? You don't think that nut job in North Korea isn't right now trying to figure out how he could clone humans for his army? Of course. You know, so do you, you know, you could have a United Nations summit tomorrow and get 190 countries to sign a, an agreement that it's immoral and unethical. And, and you could have that debate for decades, and we probably will. But it isn't going to stop some country somewhere from saying, hey, we don't have oil, we don't have gas, we don't have gold, we don't have precious metals, we don't have any natural resources, we'll become the cloning country, because hmm. that's what will make us wealthy. And that's what they'll do. And so a better question would be, how do you defend against a clone army? How does it affect the job market if Jones and Sons hardware store on Main Street can just clone more sons? What does that do to the employment field? And how does that work at Thanksgiving when the <laughs> 11 exact identical clone brothers are around the table fighting over the drumstick? Yeah. How does that work when they go and apply for a driver's license? How does that work when they are showing their ID at the gate to the TSA agent? <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> like a hundred thousand, uh, you know, questions that we're going to have to deal with at some point. And just like all you guys on there listening right now who are insurance agents and real estate agents and uh, a condo agent, you know, uh, timeshare agents and direct selling companies with vitamins and skincare and magic juices. And how are you going to deal with voice? How are you going to deal with the fact that everybody is going to have a audio assistant like I have sitting right in front of me and I don't dare say her name right. because if I do, it will turn her on and then she will, start interrupting us. But if I said her name and said, I want to buy a vitamin, she would say, okay, based on your browsing history, I can recommend this vitamin at this price. And I, do you want to buy? And I say, yes. And in 11 and a half seconds, I have ordered a vitamin. So if you're in a direct selling company selling vitamins, you better be asking yourself, how do I compete with that? Mm. And mm. I know you guys listening now, you're saying, well, huh, that's different for me because I sell insurance <laughs> and there's so much knowledge base and there's so many questions. I will never be threatened by voice. <laughs> Guess what? You're about to be the next roadkill on the highway because yeah. of course you will be threatened by voice. And of course, at some point, Amazon is going to say, 
well, we keep getting this many requests for insurance. Why don't we start our own insurance company? Or why don't we go buy this insurance company? And then every time somebody says, you know who, I need insurance, we're going to sell them our insurance because we make more money on that. And what do we need those pesky agents for? All they want is commissions. We don't need them. The whole world is changing. So you better be ready for it. You know, uh, it's funny. I was just talking to uh, a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and I I got some information from him this morning, knowing that you were going to come on and we were going to talk about some of these things. Um, in a lot of my listeners are in what they call voluntary benefits, AFLAC, Colonial Life. There's a handful of others. Uh, those are the two uh, best known. And a lot of that uh, business is written, uh, you know, in a break room, face to face with a client, and it has to be explained. Right? It it, it is one of those things that is, uh, it, it is a little bit daunting. Even health insurance. We've had health insurance. Most of us have had health insurance for years. Right. Uh, but what is a high deductible health plan and an HSA, all those kinds of things. And so a lot of people are really scared of it and it doesn't, doesn't uh, work well if they just put it on a computer, people watch a video and then they have to make a choice. It just doesn't work. So, so these agents feel really secure that, you know, they're going to have this forever and ever. Well, uh, do you know, uh, do you remember the, the, sh- the game, uh, computer game, you don't know Jack? Do you remember that game? It was, uh, it's a no, trivia. It was a trivia game. It was really, really hot for a long time. It's really funny. Um, and at um, any rate, the company's name is Jelly Vision, and they have created something called Alex. And Alex is basically uh, explains insurance as if he, he was a nine-year-old boy and takes very, very mm-hmm. complicated things and breaks it down, and it's fully interactive. It's not a video. You, 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 he asks you questions, you answer them. He, uh, you know, he walks you through these things, and it's, you know, it's. I think it's only going to get. I think it's incredible now. I think that technology is only going to get, uh, you know, hundred times better over the course of any t- length of time. But it, it's amazing. I, I think that um, we have got to. Well, and here's the thing. Here's where you're going with this question. Let me stop you right there. For every one of you cats listening right now who's buying, oh, yeah, because they got to ask all this question. And they're, if you don't think artificial intelligence and bots can replicate that before, you know, 2045 or 2035, you're drunk because <laughs> we're less than 24 months away from that, less than 24 months. I would tell you that there's rudimentary AI uh, systems now, machine learning systems now that uh, could could probably steal 30 to 40% of your business right now already existing. Don't people want to do business with people, though, Randy? I mean, at the end of the day, isn't there some of that? Or is it just really a matter of uh, this is more convenient and I don't uh, I don't want to uh, I don't want to deal with people? Well, let me go a little detour and I answer this question and cause people to do a little critical thinking. (laughs) So I'm going to be 60 my next birthday, but I'm 
you know, and I'm not a tech guy. I don't know anything about tech. I never got, I don't know how to program or code or any of that. And I don't want to know any of that. I, my only interest in these things is I say, how does it apply practical application in a marketing sense, in a usage sense? So I'm, I love having Uber and Uber Eats and uh, my Delta app and my American app and my uh, all kind of things on my phone that make my life easier. Yep. And my favorite app in the entire whole wide world is WhatsApp, which is just a messaging app. You can do it audio, you can do it video, you can do it text. It's encrypted, works everywhere in the world. It's huge in Asia, it's huge in Russia, it's huge in Latin America. Those are three areas of the world where I do a lot of business. And so I'm on WhatsApp uh, 150 times a day. And the most irritating thing to me in my world right now is when somebody calls me. <laughs> when my phone rings, I like do the uh, double take like you would see on a comedy show. And I look at what? Who is calling me? Because 60% of the calls are spam robocalls. Yep. And I've, I'm on every do not call list. I report them all the time. It's, it's, it's still, I get on an average day, I will get four calls. Yeah, Three sounds of them right. will be spam calls. Okay. Yep. The fourth call, I will look and see it's Billy and say, why is he calling me? <laughs> Right. What? I'm irritated. So, or it's shy, right? So shy is a guy in my day. So I'm going to answer the phone. Hi. Hey, it's shy. You know, how's it going? How's the weather there? Yeah. And then, you know, four minutes later, he's going to say, um, when is the, the webinar presentation this week? <laughs> and I'm thinking, you could have just sent me a WhatsApp in three seconds and said, what's the webinar presentation this week? I could have said it's Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, and the whole thing would have been handled in six seconds. Yet he called me and took three minutes from my life that I'm never going to get back. <laughs> and I, I might be the only guy between 50 and 60 who feels that way, but I don't think I am. But I can guarantee you, everybody who's under 40 thinks that way. Yeah. Why is she calling me? What is, why didn't she send me a text? Why didn't she send me a WhatsApp? Why, what is she calling me for? I mean, they, pe most people today are texting their wife. One is in the kitchen and the other one is in the living room <laughs> and they're texting each other. So this theory of, People want to buy from other people. I don't want to buy from other people. Right. I want to say that name of my assistant, my you know, my audio assistant right here, and have the order in eleven and a half seconds. And no, you know, when we're soon to the point where it's going to be delivered within an hour, it's going to come on a drone from Amazon, or it's going to come in an autonomous car from Uber in an hour. Mm -hmm. And we're not far away from that. So now, do I obviously? I'm in the direct selling space. I think there's room for that. I think there is room for people who 
go to someone's house and become their personal representative, just like I still use a travel agent, right? Sure. Because I have a travel agent that has been my travel agent for 35 years. Now, she used to have 10 agents work in the office with her, and they all had those phones with the five buttons and the five lines, and they'd be ringing all the time. And now she works from home by herself. She's a boutique agency sure. for clients like me who want the personalized service. And I think there will always be a need for that. So whether you're an insurance salesman or a salesperson or a direct seller, leverage sales, yeah, there will always be a place, but you better be able to show that value. You And even then, I mean, um, you're still going to do a, a huge part of your business with text, SMS, WhatsApp, links, you know, over the phone, via email, whatever. I mean, that's just the reality of the world, and you better be prepared for that. I I agree. When somebody says that to me, when they say, well, don't people want to do business with, with people? I say, yeah, well, it depends. <laughs> it depends. I, I say, I'll ask this person, the same person, when was the last time you went to the mall? Uh, oh, uh, you know, and, and we see that the retail is, is in serious decline because of Amazon and, and uh, Walmart and those kinds of things. I, I don't want to go to the store. I mean, my, my wife says that uh, Jeff Bezos should send me a, a birthday card because I, I buy everything on Amazon, right? I mean, it, why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? You can get it tomorrow. Uh, it's not any more expensive, and I don't have to get go anywhere. So that, that's crazy. But I think what you hit on is 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 critical. We've got to find a way that it um, that we have endeared ourselves to our our clients, especially at the um, decision maker level. Uh, we we have to help them see around corners, right? AI really can't help them see around corners. It's up to us to uh, understand not just the trends because AI can do that, but how it might dramatically impact their business in the near future. Is, is, is that uh, too Pollyannish of me, or, or do you think that's still... Well, I, I say AI is going to be able to do that and tell them what's around the corner, better than humans even. But it'll still be like my travel agent. The, give you an example. I'm doing a speech in um, Stockholm, Sweden, and... I bought the ticket through my travel agent. Hey, I've got the speech. It's in Stockholm. Here's the day I want to get there. Here's the day I want to leave. What's the choice is? She sent me the thing. The ticket's um, $10,000. I said, all right, here's the client. Copy them on the email. Connect with them. They'll pay you. She sets it up. So she texts me this morning. Hey, my office called me. They said that um, if you're willing to take one flight different, it's $1,600 less. Uh, all right, what's the connection? Well, it's in London. Instead of, you know, three and a half hours, it's two hours and 50 minutes or, it's, you know, whatever it was. It was like one hour difference. And so it's going to be $1,600 less for the client. So I said, yeah, change it. So she just showed her value to me, right? Right. It didn't save me money because I'm not paying for that ticket. My client is, but it saved my client 1600 I know my client's going to be delighted because mm-hmm. they all hate to pay their fare. I know that. <laughs> um, so she creates value for that, right? I have, yeah, I like sports cars, right? I, I was 
a viperaholic, right? I've had nine or 10 vipers. <laughs> so you say, well, don't I have a, a car salesman that I like and I want to, yeah, I actually did. And you know how it worked? He would call me up. He'd say, hey, Randy, I just got in two Viper GTS. Uh, one of them is already taken. I got a baseball player for the Marlins who wants it. I have a red one, and uh, I wanted to give you a first shot at it. Okay, you know, I asked a couple of details. What were the options that it had? Did it have satellite radio and blah, blah, blah? He said, yeah, it's okay. Great. I'll take it. Yeah, all right. I'll, uh, I'll have a detail to be delivered to you tomorrow. It's a three-minute conversation on the phone. I don't want to go and be face-to-face with him. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I don't have time for that. I want I want bring value to my life. And like 99.999999% of the people, you know what the most valuable thing in the world to me is? Time. You saved me time. You brought value to me. I've, I couldn't agree more. I Again, we... <laughs> We'd go on about that for a while, but absolutely. Uh, boy, I had 110 questions. I'm looking at them from your uh, perspective. They're all dumb questions. I, I can't ask any of these questions. Thanks a lot, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, we, talk, we talked about the important stuff. I love where we went with this. Yeah. this. This is the stuff that matters to the people who are listening to this podcast. I really believe that. I want you to elaborate on this quote, and I think this is really powerful, and, and it it may not need a lot of elaboration at, at first glance, but I think this is back to your prosperity and, uh, and those uh, concepts. It's this, it's in the book, it says, The real power of social media is not what it will let you say to people, but the people it allows you to listen to. And, and talk about that for a second, would you? Yeah, I think most entrepreneurs, most entre- uh, most marketers, they're just broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting. Hey, you know, so they put out a tweet. Hey, my new blog is out. Here's the link. Well, why do I care your new blog is out? You know, why would I keep following you to just get a diet of that crap? Now, if you put up a tweet and say, hey, my new blog is out, and I think you're going to find it fascinating because it's going to show you how you might be self-sabotaging your own success. Check it out. Let me know what you think. And then somebody answers, hey, God, I just read that blog. Man, you rock my world. You know, here's a question for you. Half the content I'm developing is coming from the questions that I'm getting on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube from people who watch my stuff, and then it jogs their thinking, and then they'll ask me about it. Uh, if, you know, I, I, they'll, you know, so the, the great benefit of Twitter and all of these services is they're the public square now. And you get to see why I say social media blew up branding forever is because it will never be the same. If the guy makes a United breaks guitar video, or you have the video of United dragging that guy off the plane, <laughs> Oh, something like that goes viral. Your whole brand blows up in 12 hours. Yeah. Your brand you think you've been working on for 15 years in 12 hours is eviscerated, right? But if you're really listening on social media and you see your trend and you see, wow, something happened, and then you can get on top of it and speak to it and answer it and solve it, 
your reputation is actually enhanced. And, and that's the, the power of social media is, is the listening ability it gives us. I like that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, some of the bigger brands, uh, they have all this, but they don't necessarily even listen. I, I've, I've responded, uh, you know, posted things on, I won't name companies, but uh, on, you know, on their social media, expecting at least to get some response, you know, some of the, some of the companies are very good about us. Sorry you had that experience. That's not uh, what we hope to do. Uh, you know, is it okay if we contact you? You know, those kinds of things. But a lot of them is just like, it just goes into, uh, just goes into a black hole somewhere. So, and I don't think they, it's it's like, they're not listening. They're just broadcasting. It's like broadcasting. Yeah. We had a, in the restaurant, I I was in the restaurant industry for a long time. I I worked in a a large restaurant chain just for a year. This with this one, I, I I didn't have a great time with them, but they had the, uh, you know, suggestion box. Right. And I, I -hmm. took over the store uh, and I said, where's the key to the suggestion box? And so I don't even know we have a key. You know, it's just, it was crazy. It's, uh, we got it. We got to uh-huh. be able to listen to people. All right. So, um, I'm going to honor your time. And, and so I got a couple questions that I ask every guest and, um, and I just really fascinated to hear your answers to both these questions. The first one is, what are the one to three books that have impacted you the most? I know you're a big, big reader, as am I, but what are some of the foundational books for you? Uh, number one on the list would be Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, mm-hmm. uh, because that really introduced me to the concept of living by a congruent philosophy. So that book was really instrumental to me. Um, a more recent one, I think, is at that same level of brilliance, is called Principles by Ray Dalio, who's a like a hedge fund investor guy, billionaire, uh, rich guy, but really a critical thinker and really based on principles and it's a huge book. It must be thousand pages or something. Mm. One half is personal, one half is professional and, but it's brilliant. Uh, and I think the science of mind by Ernest Holmes and prosperity by Charles Fillmore, who was the co-founder of the unity movement. Mm. Uh, those four would jump in my mind. Those are the ones that I think really, uh, impact me in a big way. All right. And then the second question is this. My faith system says you only get one shot on the rock. You, you, you talked about people who this is their 189th time here or, or whatever. And, and, and right. you know, I don't, I don't have any problem with anybody else's faith system. But my, my faith system says you get one shot. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as a writer's writer. Uh, speaker's speaker, you know, as when I give a speech, I want the the other speakers on that program to say, I got to get in the day early and see Gage, the way he does his keynote. Mm. I want great writers to say, I I need to read Randy's book and and see how he presents, how he writes. Uh, I want to be remembered as somebody who caused 
people to do the thinking. So the speaking and the writing is kind of the, the, the channel I do that, but I want people, I would love people to remember me for, hey, he, he made me think about life and my work and everything that's important. He made me think about that in a way I had never thought about it before. I don't, they don't have to agree with me. They, don't have, they can disagree with me, love me, hate me, but if, if I cause them to think about it in a different way, then I did my work. Well, I know you've done that for me, so I, I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, Randy, where's the best place to find you? Uh, I know you're on social quite a few different places. I love your YouTube channel. Tell us about some of these places where we can find you. Yeah, randygage.com is my website. I have a success and prosperity blog. I post five, six times a week. So particularly people in sales, direct selling, you got to read that. That You know, we, we need that nourishment, mental nourishment. Uh, and then I'm all over social media, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, every place. You, you know, I'm on all those platforms. And, and I do my own posts and I do listen and I do respond. Fantastic. And I'm doing a podcast now, the Power Prosperity Podcast. And it's on Simplecast and Stitcher and iTunes and Google Play and all of that stuff. Power Prosperity Podcast. I'm really excited about that. That's kind of my newest thing that I'm excited about. I love, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I love podcasts. It's it's really weird. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love podcasts. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I want to thank you for the work you've done. Uh, I know it's impacted millions of people, and it's impacted me. And so uh, I was really thrilled when you agreed to come on. So have a great day. All right. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Do me a favor and practice the circulation law of prosperity and tell people about Prosperity TV. So if you would, just put something up on your Tumblr, your Twitter, your Facebook, your YouTube. Uh, let people know what you think of the Power of Prosperity podcast. Even take a screenshot of your phone and maybe post that picture uh, so we can build the community here at the podcast. Thanks, guys.